On this week's episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Martin Pemberton. Martin was a professional footballer for over a decade and for over six years worked in education as a learning mentor for disadvantaged children. Today, he's a public speaker raising awareness around mental well-being, an NLP, CBT and EFT practitioner, creator and trainer of the Mentally Match Fit program. Mentally Match Fit started out as a wellness recovery action program and philosophy that he invented, designed and developed through his own experiences of suicidal thoughts, depression and anxiety. It's a constant assessment and management toolkit based on a football philosophy. Football is the theme he uses, but it can be individualized for each person and covers all areas of life from mental health to relationships and anywhere in between. Martin, delighted to have you on the Purpose Led Leadership Podcast. For all the listeners, can you tell us a little bit more about what 1 to 11 does? And then after that, we'll delve a bit deeper into you as a, as a person. Yeah, so, well, 1 to 11, it kind of comes from my uh, professional background. I used to be a pro footballer. Did that for probably over a decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I became a learning mentor uh, for disadvantaged children. But after retiring from football, kind of my mental health went on quite a decline to the point where I was like I was having suicidal thoughts mm-hmm. didn't want to be here essentially um, wow the discovery of which we'll go into obviously over this chat the 1 to 11 came as a result of my recovery process from having those mental health issues mm. because as I used to as I started to recover I'd slip back recover slip back and I kind of got sick of being up and down and I thought what, what am I doing today? yeah what am I doing when I'm feeling great and so mm-hmm. I wrote down the things that I was doing and there were 11 on a piece of paper same <laughs> so number of players mind, in a yeah, team so as the well mind went straight into football and then yeah. obviously I, I used to play as well before squad numbers and so managers used to say if you win your battles one to 11 you win the game and that all happened in like a really quick amount of time from and so I thought wow if I can just do these things consistently mm-hmm. then I'm going to find my way back from where I was to in a better state of mind. But then from that, the discovery was also that these are ju- not just for mental health and well-being. Mm. These are for everybody in everyday life, for every area of your life. It's just that we're not always aware of how we're using them. Wow. I'd love to delve into that. And firstly, thank you so much for being so open so early in the podcast. It's exactly what the listeners want. And um, you may know that I've been um, very open myself with my own mental health. I'm a mental health advocate as well. But I'd love to delve into into that in a loads more detail on how you've kind of come through that and now helping others. So let's go right back, kind of almost from school, to, to, to paint us a picture and a journey of, of your life and almost talk to us about when you first felt you had mental health challenges and, and what that meant for you as well. Yeah, so I think going back to, you know, growing up in Bradford, that's where I'm from, for my sins. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it used to be a much nicer place. Right. Still love Bradford, though I'm proud to be from Bradford. Um, uh, black Caribbean dad, white English mother, so that kind of upbringing was kind of, I suppose, different to, to many people. Mm. I had an equal exposure to both my Caribbean side of my family and my English side of my family. But looking back in retrospect, I've also thought about no one ever looked like me. Right. So there was a lot of black people, a lot of white people, not so many brown people. And if they were brown, they were from a different part, region of the world from where I'm from, particularly Pakistan mm. and in India in Bradford. So growing up, yeah. there was that sense of who do I kind of look towards. So 
when I started to get him to involved with football, love football, the, the person I immediately gravitated to was John Barnes, right? So right. Like he, he was my, and I think he was for a lot of people, my absolute idol, you know, yeah. to see someone who looks similar to you, mm. left-footed as well. I was left-footed. I liked playing on the left wing. He was left wing. And yeah. so the type of player that he, he was, a great player. You know, flair player, just mm. a genius, really. So mm. he was kind of like that role model that inspired me to then want to be uh, a footballer. Yeah. So at the age of eight, right I'm going to be a footballer and, and often you know you in your mind as a child things are, are very very simple aren't they that you just make a decision and then it's going to happen but you don't understand the pitfalls and all the challenges that it would take to become a professional footballer so you set off on the journey and uh, yeah I just love playing football I felt free on the pitch I don't know if a lot of people can relate mm. to something that you, when you find that passion for something mm. you forget all your worries you you're free art you essentially and it's that way to express yourself whatever that is maybe it's art you know singing yeah writing so that progression through football but the journey wasn't easy uh, I fractured my back at 11 your back I fractured my yeah I remember playing in a game I had a, a stress fracture in my lumbar spine but we didn't find it for three years wow so again playing for a few weeks few weeks off mm. got to the last few uh, places of you know the national football school at Lily Show mm -hmm. of course got right yeah. down to the end of that you've got to have a medical that's where we found out I had a stress fracture so sure no Lily Show a year's rest complete rest from everything literally could just swim for a year so yeah 14 uh, that was quite a testing time as well mm. but I suppose into that Probably six months into that year was probably quite tough. That's when I probably did break down a little bit and I, I was quite upset because yeah. you're not sure what's going to be the outcome. But I also say to people in the back of my mind, though, I still never doubted that I'd still become a footballer. It's mm -hmm. weird to explain, but you've got a knowing sometimes, haven't you? So yeah, yeah, yeah. came back at 14 and then you know got back into the swing of things, I suppose. But also, <laughs> I, I always mm -hmm. talk about that year's break actually gave me the opportunity to hang out on the street corners with my friends and right. the things that teenagers might be doing and I got to do that for a year but then at the end of that year I was ready to go back into doing what I wanted to do okay. so I'd experienced it so it was never a distraction for me yeah again if that makes sense so, so do you feel the pressure was off a little bit then or was it kind of like was it kind of were you frustrated with that year off or um in, wasn't frustrated. I got frustrated about six months in because I, I like to be active. So I wasn't. I mean, I couldn't do PE. You couldn't. And and literally, I would play football like many people yeah. do from the moment you get up to the moment you go to bed. So even the social aspect of that was was different. So it yeah, about six months in, then it became a bit of a challenge. But you get over that hump and you mm. start to see the finish line, don't you? And then mm -hmm. you get back, you play. Got a YTS uh, at Oldham, the good old YTS scheme. <laughs> um, and so you go from your GCSEs, living at home with your mum, to the next day you're, you're in at a football yeah. club with all these men, alpha males. Absolutely. Screaming and shouting at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Speaking to you in a way you've never been spoken to before. Yeah. And you have to take it and you have to do the jobs and you've got to clean the boots and you've got to bring the cups of tea in and if mm. it's not up to standard, yeah. it's coming back at your head. <laughs> so it... I wouldn't. It's different now. Mm. But part of that process was part of becoming more resilient and all kind of like learning your place, if that makes sense. You had to, you had to earn your respect for how you played, but you also had to have manners. Mm. You had to have discipline. You had to have respect within the, the football club. Talk, talk to us about that then. I mean, you say it's different now. I'd like to know how it's different. But that approach of kind of like alpha male, and I know it kind of goes with the territory to a degree because of the nature of the sport, but talk to me about how that actually did make you feel. It was tough. 
Yeah, I mean, like I said, you go from living at home where you're in a nurturing environment with yeah. your, your mum and dad to now where no one really cares about your feelings when you're in that football club and mm. there's a lot of competition. You're striving to, you're competing to get a contract. Mm-hmm. You've got jobs to do where, and people, they do make life difficult for you. And, uh, and I know that that was in a sense to see what you were made of. Yeah. Because a lot of people yeah. fall by the wayside. What I think it's changed now is we're more aware. We're more aware of... Uh, yeah people's mental health were more aware in terms of that performance because so you're, t- you're talking kind of like 1980s 90s noughties 90s. here where uh, you know mental health probably wasn't even heard of almost no, it, was just, it was a get on with it and, yeah, and, yeah. and one of the things one of the reasons why you would never mention about struggling with your mental health was yeah. because you felt that that would then be held against you of course it would so yeah. if they know you're the weak link yeah you're not going to play so you mm. learn to strategies to keep that hidden very deep inside and yeah. to, to get on with it as they as they say now mm. that's all good and well in the moment but I think if you do that for long enough yeah. that's why when we see when people retire and come out of that environment potentially maybe same the forces as well yeah of course that's where the fallout comes you know mm. so move the movie forward a little bit because I mean I have done some research on you you had may I say quite a number of football clubs yeah. what happened why, why was that yeah. so I started at Oldham um, loved it there uh, Joe Roll was the manager different yeah. managers come in and they, I think in football as well uh, when different managers come in you could be the, the mm. player that they want to play but then your yeah. manager comes in and it's, it's very turbulent so you, you're not necessarily wanted mm-hmm. uh, I moved to Doncaster Rovers and I, which was a mistake in hindsight should have gone on loan but yeah. I went and I signed for him Curry Dixon was there as manager but I didn't have any idea what the club was Mm. Like he was in serious turmoil. Right. Chairman was a, a bit of a character, shall we say? Yeah, um, yeah. So once and you know when you make a decision sometimes and you get somewhere and you go, oh, mm. <laughs> oh god, like yeah, yeah. Know, but there was no way to go back. So the club was filled with some great pros, but there was also people with maybe a different standard, a different mentality towards being a footballer. Yeah, that were also in the club in terms of people them trying to cut budget and things like that. Mm. So you had a mix of some older pros, but then players who maybe come from a different level who it wasn't the same mentality. So there was a lot of disjointment. It wasn't a, a happy camp, so to speak. Was the was the culture going back to the kind of the culture? I mean, I know it's kind of alpha male, and you're only as good as your last kind of like yeah, yeah. game. I'm sure if you made a mistake, it's kind of like you know you got repent for your sins. But was it was it kind of like a, a work hard, play hard thing? Because um, was it a, a sort of drinking culture or that kind of stuff? Yeah, as well, I or? think very much in those days mm. we didn't know as much about nutrition mm. after yourself, so that was part of the the culture. Certainly, as a young younger player going in, it wasn't as much, but certainly once you start to see be around the older players and the, the pros, and they've been in the game a long time, that was definitely a part of the yeah. part of the culture. Um, in terms of the way you were treated, sometimes yeah, I can remember a few instances where the coach would have spoken to not just me, other players as well, in a certain way which wasn't very nice and was in front of other people. So, like, your parents might be watching, like, at a reserve. Like, demeaning or... Yeah, like, embarrassing you in front of everyone by shouting something over the the pitch. And and I know at that time there's a lot of the lads who were older who actually feel like that was detrimental to aid their career Mm. progression and then how they are also... It's an interesting one because people talk about Sir Alex Ferguson obviously his <laughs> I mean his achievements are exceptional and his style was very much that kind of like he took no prisoners doesn't he and I, th- I think that style 
still has a place to a degree, but it's nowhere. It's completely changed now, isn't it? That kind of yeah. I think with Sir Alex, from what I could see, I think that he what was brilliant about him was he changed with the times. So mm. every time a, a different phase group of player came through, yeah, yeah, he learned to modify the way that he got the the best out of them. So mm. old school, you could hammer people. Yeah. With the newer player, it was yeah. more arm round them, cajoling that kind of. You know, and I think those managers who do mm. the best now have learned to transition from yeah. that too. But I think there's still a massive element in that in football, like you said, with it being a yeah. a male-dominated sport. I think you're always going to have elements of that. And so, when they say they're doing things about it or they're, they're more aware of mental health, I question that to a degree because I still think the origins come from that competitive nature, of wanting to win, and so. At what point do we spill over into yeah. not being too concerned about how people are feeling in terms of wanting yeah. to, to win, right? So how did it affect you? And have you got any examples where you witnessed or experienced mental health with your um, colleagues or with your other players or with yourself? Yeah, for, well, for me, it was uh, sometimes if you berated, you know, there's a lack of confidence that comes then with that. And then there's yeah. a... You can even go to a point where you don't want to go on the pitch at sometimes because you're already not feeling great you might have had a little bit of abuse and mm. then you've got to go into the arena and then get more abuse you know I often say that when I do talks and stuff about yeah. people going about footballers and they're yeah. not very sympathetic towards them and I don't say this for people to be sympathetic but when I speak to audiences I just say just consider mm. you go into your workplace you're competing to get in the team then you've got to stay in the team then you've got 11 other people who are as good as you at your job, potentially yeah. even better, trying to stop you yeah. winning points and money for the club. And then while you're doing that, mm. you're doing your job in front of thousands of people who've paid for yeah. the privilege to come in Absolutely. and shout whatever they want at you. Yeah, yeah. While your family might be there as well and stuff and say things about you and other members of the Of course. Family. I said, and then it was different. Like now it's instant, but you'd finish playing and then the marks out of 10 would be in the paper on, on a Monday. So everyone knows whether you've had a, a good day at the office. Yeah. But it's coming from someone who's never played the game at your level. Yes. Who, who critiques and gives you a rating out of 10 mm -hmm. and they can't do your job. Mm. So, and then you totally. get people who will look at your mark in the paper and then you'll get people calling you up to see how you did at the weekend. Mm. Full well, <laughs> you've not had the best of games, right? So you package all that and you do yeah. that year yeah. after year. I totally get why I ended up in that state and I, won't, I understand why so many others do as well because mm. it's constant pressure so many factors involved isn't there you know I mean even even at the, the, the lower end of, of, of the, the sort of football pyramid with small crowds I mean if you go out there with the wrong mindset you know it's very difficult to perform in front of other people and, and I think that you know even the, the the journalism as well, they they don't they don't take any prisoners. If you had a bad game, they can they can slate you, can't you? Can't they? Yeah, and it's worse now. It's instant with social media and yeah. the opinion. Now everybody can state their opinion on how the players perform. So again, it's, this is not to say oh poor footballers. But no, of course, to ask of course. To think about people performing yeah. in a public arena. Yeah. And also, you've got to be ready to perform at a yeah. specific time. Of course. So whether that's a Tuesday, Wednesday yeah. night, you've got to be geared to be ready to play at a high level at that specific time. So even I suppose there's, yeah. there's that element to it as well, you know. Um I mean as a as a mental health expert now, I know you do NLP, CBT, EFT, yeah. you're qualified. I want to talk about all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You you mentioned I mean I, I'm into kind of like kind of root causes sometimes yeah. I like to go back and find out you know why did I start feeling like this and you mentioned the brown black kind of racism thing yeah. but 
is there a moment in your life where you just you actually were cognizant and recognised actually mentally there's something wrong here and just any kind of um, insight as to that feeling because I, I want to go quite deep in terms of I, I felt I felt just just if I'd use one word alone yeah 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 lonely yeah um, I think for me yeah the, the, I think depends though because I think for some people you, you might feel like that often in childhood as well I think I I, I did I think I, but then I was also happy being on my own but there were elements of feeling yeah. different or feeling little, but again was that from the colour thing I don't know mm. I kind of started to think about this over the last few months right okay impact, you know yeah I, I was loved equally and I saw yeah. both sides of my family so I've never had a, a, an issue in terms of my colour for me or who I okay. am but I started to think about it actually thinking about people growing up do mm. who do you identify with so mm. you know if predominantly you're in a, a white you know, if you're with a lot of white people or you're with a lot of black people, for mixed race people, essentially, where where do you fit? So, that, yes. you know, when we have these <coughs> conversations about race and stuff, often for me, I, I'm like, well, well what, what do I do? Because mm. <laughs> if we're saying not very nice things about black people, that's not okay. No. But then if we're saying, and we're judging white people too, well, I'm half white. So it's like, yeah. you know, it's quite a tricky tricky situation but in terms of the mental health stuff yeah I think certainly after retirement that's when I noticed it more and probably one of the time when I went out of the game for a little bit yes fall out of the game that was a tough tough time so I kind of just rejected football totally mm. went out on a went out on a, on a bender yeah regular for about a month <coughs> I didn't want to know it and I think that if, when I think back now that's probably the first instance of where I really was struggling how old are you then 22 because so the pressure I think comes from the whole thing and then you're out of the game right it's such a short term it, there's lots of short termism in, in football isn't there you, you know a contract normally two three four years at best you know and you know you, you normally retire early 30s these days or mid 30s don't you so and it's, it's kind of like the aftermath of what you do afterwards and everything else but you've mentioned suicide yeah talk about that so <coughs> uh Again, this is, a, I suppose, it's a build-up after retiring and not understanding and seeing the signs of um, the, I suppose, regression um, mm. and the downward spiral that was on its way because you try to distract yourself with other things. And as I understand it now, I was so attached to that identity of being a footballer. Everything that I was, in my mind, was attached to being a footballer that yeah label. once you course. lose that yeah you're like where do I what, what yeah <laughs> who am I what do I do you know do I have I got any value got no have I got any transferable skills because I didn't think I did um and right. it was actually I was going to counseling uh, counseling session in, in Leeds one day and I was just you know I had the the earphones in where you don't want to speak to anyone right and mm. I started to cross the road and I nearly got run over um and I jumped back and they drove past people that all shouted a few obscenities at me. Uh, right. But the the what I remember from that was the the mindset of well that was close like could have got run over then mm. could have maybe broke my leg maybe pelvis maybe maybe concussion might have ended up in a coma. This is how my mind was working yeah. to the point where I then said could have even died, and then I said well that'll be all right, right because all this will be over. Yeah. And then I was like well yeah this is something mm. that I, I need to kind of yeah, yeah. deal with. Because up until that point as well, and this is what I speak about to people, it's why we talk about communication. I'd not communicated effectively with the people around me. 
so they couldn't no support me adequately. No. So they're trying to give me advice of, oh, just get busy, go back to work, do it. And I'm thinking yeah. that's the worst possible thing. If I do that, I, I'm a goner. That's what I, I was thinking in my head. So then you distance yourself from family and friends because you're thinking, well, they don't, they don't mm. care about me. But mm. you'd forget that you've not communicated where you're really at. Yeah. So when I speak to people now, I say you must, as difficult as it can be, you must let the people around you know what it's like for you inside your head because if you don't yes. they will never ever be able to help you nobody will no and then you'll go around blaming everyone for not helping you i think it's a good point about the speaking to someone who's like-minded though i mean yeah. you talk about it's players like gascoigne aaron lennon paul merson tony adams even like iniesta buffon carrick um danny rose yeah. marvin sordell yeah. there's 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 loads of you know well-known footballers that have yeah. got mental health and I feel I think nowadays kind of the stigma has gone or it's, you're encouraged but I think back in back in your era there was no one to talk to was there? No, you couldn't because like as we said before you it were a weakness mm. uh, and you wouldn't play so you had to learn to deal with it and again growing up as well like you said from that era of like yeah. in the 70s and 80s yeah. we didn't speak about it did we we never it was never talked about so if you did, you were soft, <laughs> you know? Yeah, so that identity thing you talk about, I, yeah. I, I've got a picture on my mind now, because, you know, I, I, I wanted to be a footballer, but I was never good enough. <laughs> um, so, but when, you, when you're in that, that profession, and that's all you think about, you sleep, eat, and drink it, yeah. knowing that in 15 years' time it's going to be over anyway, no matter what, there must be kind of like a lot of anxiety around, I've got to do the best I can in my career, but what am I going to do afterwards? All that kind of stuff. So talk to us about that transition. You, um, but you don't, you know every, you, it's like, you know every game could be your last. Mm. But you don't think about it, mm. if that makes sense. Mm. So you, you do know, but you don't like to think about that because right, right. you know, your end of your career is going to come sooner than, than you, you would like. So I think you go in, you have that stress always anyway, that yeah. every game, but you try not to think about it. Mm -hmm. I suppose it's a little bit like, Death. We all know it's going to happen, but we try to yeah, of ignore it, right? Yeah. Uh, then you, yeah, you come through that career. And you know, you're not going to get to do it forever. But I still don't think that this is where I think the education needs to come from the very start of players' careers is this understanding of what is going to happen when you come into that transition period. Yeah. That it is going to be over. Yeah. That your identity of who you think you are and all your value will be wrapped up in this thing that you do. Yeah. It's not who you are. Right, you're gonna mm. have all these challenges along the way. You're gonna have people saying not very nice things to you. You're gonna yeah. be critiqued consistently, and continually. Yeah, and about what tools are you gonna use to build up uh, your resiliency to that? Mm. But then, what's the pathway? Which and we talk about um, people do talk about oh, what you're gonna do after your career. But I think a lot of players not necessarily. Again, it's something they don't like to talk. No, about, so we don't address it. But going back to the education, I mean. I've been on a Sunday afternoon or Sunday morning, you know, with my six-year-old and seven-year-old and the parents on the side of the football pitch literally effing and blinding and, and treating it as if it's like, you know, the most important thing in, in the world and literally screaming. At, and so it, I think it starts it starts with the football system, but it also starts with, with your, your parents and, and, and you as your, and you as, as fathers Absolutely. as well, yeah. mothers. So for parents, it's often that they are trying to live their dreams through the kids, right? So <laughs> it's that... But until you've got the awareness of that as a parent, you're not yeah. going to be able to step back, are you? So you're mm. going to be effing and blinding, desperate for them to do well, because yeah. what do you get out of it? Well, exactly. you get to say that your kids are a footballer it. or a 
gymnast or a swimmer, whatever, mm. but a lot of people don't realise that. So they have this continual drive to put pressure on the kids yeah. to achieve because actually it's for them. It's, they say it's for the kids, mm. but deep down it's not. Yeah, it's, yeah. For, it's, it's for them. So it's about parents being able to step back and go, giving the kids just the, the opportunity to just play, right? Mm. Just play. It's not, it's not life and death right now. And no. It never will be. You've, you've got to you got to you got to push, drive, and motivate people, Absolutely. but you've got to give them that creative license to actually flourish in their own. Do it in their own way as well, mm. and they might not do it the way that you yeah. do it. They might not have the same ideas about how to train, what what their level of commitment is. And I think if you can push people over their jaw away from sport, can't you? If you're too yeah. too demanding, so I think for parents, it's just asking yourself that question: Who is it? Who is it really for that mm. you're that invested and in yeah. maybe that vocal on the sidelines? No, absolutely. I mean, how how rife do you feel mental health and suicide ideation is in terms of people thinking or wanting to commit suicide or having really quite severe or significant mental health issues or mental well-being issues that they're sweeping under the carpet in the football arena? Football world. Loads, I think, yeah. There's probably 60%. Really? Mm -hmm. I would say so. Because I think this is the other thing I was thinking about the other day as well, with the mental health mm. uh, sphere, if you want to call it that umbrella. Yeah. I think there's a difference between mental illness and mental injury. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure that everybody's aware of which is which right, right now. So I think we've got people with mental illness who are in this category. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people with mental injuries but I think then the ones with mental illness who need instant and urgent attention and help straight away yeah, yeah. get pulled into the, the bigger scope. Also then I think this is where businesses, football organisations, it's watered down then, the severity of it, because mm. got a large group of people who've maybe got mental injuries. I had mental injuries. What, what's um, For the audience who don't know what the difference is, explain that a bit more. Yeah. So for me, and I only go from, again, my experience of, my mental injuries came from a process of the experience in my life, got traumas, you. potentially, sure. things like that. Well, we've got some people who mm. medically, mm. you know, because physically there's a difference between an illness and an injury. Yes. If you leave injuries yes. long enough, they can become illnesses. Right. So, and the term mental health now, just this is how my mind works. When yeah. I say it, I think people often think mental illness straight away rather than health. Yes. It's it's, it's, it's got like, a stigma yeah. attached. That's the word mental and the, illness. It's it sounds negative. Yeah. Isn't it? Well, yeah. yeah. With, like we say, yeah. everyone's got yes. Health. Everyone's got mental. Absolutely. Health, the, yeah. I think the propensity is that people automatically. I don't know why. Mm. We just go mental health and people go oh we're talking about mental illness yeah yeah and it's yeah you won't do it physically no so no again the difference is absolutely why do we do it we have this difference when it comes to our mental health and, and physical health and so like i said if you've got a physical injury if you leave it long enough mm. so if you've got a wound it's going to get infected totally agree it becomes ill so i think there's lots of people who have uh, mental injuries yeah and i was one of those i had mental injuries that then yeah. didn't deal with them that then led me down that path for it okay. to becoming more, more serious. That's just my, it's not a fact, that's just kind of how I yeah. started to look at the landscape recently. Mm. And if we can, if we can kind of separate the two, I think we can then empower more people to start to go to work on those injuries but rather than thinking yeah. about an illness, you know? But a, a professional footballer, yeah. be it in the Premier League, Championship, or you know, at a decent level, yeah. if they have mental health issues or challenges or whatever yeah. the last thing surely they're going to do is go to their manager or go to their chairman and say yeah. i've got because they'll just be kicked out of the team wouldn't they yeah 
would be because it's that it's that it, I suppose it's that idea around that you're a weak link. Yeah. In a sport, in again, I think this has come from the competitive nature of sport that you can't have any. Yeah. You're not allowed to have a weakness, are you? Mm. Competitive. Always. You've got to be mentally win. on point as well as physically yeah, on point, haven't you? Like, you know, it's yeah. Like, you know, into yeah. that battle to win you've got and if you've got any weak links and so that's why people don't and then they suffer and then mm. how do they deal with that well drinking yeah gambling drugs, gambling whatever other yeah advice you want to add to that you know chasing women whatever you yeah know, of all, course all men, well there's some high profile you know, you know mentioned adultery, all these things yeah. it's all it is is a sign that that person yeah it's got a need that needs to be met yeah, yeah. And so What's the solution then? Because at the end of the day, footballers are paid a hell of a lot of money. Let's have some balance, you know, and they, they, they're paid to perform. And Absolutely. yes, you know, we've got to treat them as human beings, yeah. but I, I can't see a, an easy solution to that. It's uh, It'll take a while. I think in, in every industry, not just football, I think we've got to look person first, commodity second. Right. I think we've got commodity first with people. Mm person second I'm sure you've seen that in, yeah. in the world that you've operated for a long time you yeah, know, yeah. businesses you're just a commodity right where people mm. are just there to do this job and they're not doing it we're not necessarily viewing them I, th I think I think from side. a business point of view there, there's a lot more compassion towards it and a lot more kind of patience and understanding but I think because of the high stakes and the money and the, and the, and the sponsorship and the competitive nature of, of football and most sports at that level yeah, I think I think there's much less kind of um, don't have time no. <laughs> to, to right. think about that, right? It's not yeah, about yeah. the person. No, we need you to perform at this mm. time because we need to do this, 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 and this because we want to win trophies or yeah. sponsorships, money, yeah, yeah, whatever. So it's driven by by that, isn't it? And and then yeah. the, the human being is is secondary to that, and I think that's where it's now starting to because more money's coming yeah. into the game, hasn't it? In all yes. the other sports, so the stakes have got even mm. you know higher. So let's carry on, you know, you Doncaster. I mean, you don't necessarily have to go through every club, but let's yeah, talk yeah. talk about some of the rest of that journey to then actually transitioning to what you're doing now with, yeah. with obviously, you know, your mental health and wellbeing programme. Yeah, so, yeah, I was at Doncaster, which stayed there for about a year. That was a kind of a decline in terms of me then moving to Scunthorpe for a little bit. That was yeah. month to month. Got to the end of the season. The manager said, oh, we're not going to keep you, but if you want to come back at the start of the season. So just he didn't want to pay me over the summer, essentially, for mm. doing nothing. No. So then I ended up going to Hartlepool, but I was on a month to month. So when we talk short term contracts, that is pressure then. Of course. Because you're not. <laughs> you're, so then I think I got injured at the start of one of the months and then rehabbed over that, that next month. So I went in for a conversation thinking, well, I've not played. Nothing's changed. I should just get another month. Yeah. Get on. But that was it. No, we're not keeping you. So that's when I found myself out of the game, and then that's when I, when I said I went out a lot for a, for a month. Or yeah, so. uh, just drinking, gambling, yeah, or just 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 drinking. Yeah, out, just numbing the pain. Yeah, just didn't read about football, didn't want to see it. Understandable anything, to a know. degree, isn't it? You know, um, over that period, I also got into a couple of relationships that personally weren't great for me because I right. was in, so that didn't. So over that probably ninety eight, ninety nine spell. I had quite a lot of things that kind of hit me. On on that um, point, yeah. do you feel you, you you know you had those relationships and yeah. you you drinking to fill a void because of the football, or was it deeper than that? I always feel that um, addiction or that kind of trappings isn't isn't necessarily because of the career or the specific business that didn't work out. It's an emotional um, absence that you haven't had from a child. It's something that's missing inside yourself, so that's why you do it, right? Whether it's for recognition, just to feel better, 
they're searching for something, aren't you? And that's yeah. why that's why we do what we do externally to try to fill yeah. fill a void. So know? on that point, then, do you can you recognise anything way back in your childhood that because you said that you're you were parented quite well and you're quite yeah. loving? So yeah. I mean, it always fascinates me. You know, it speaks to a lot of people who've got mental health or open enough yeah. to say so, and. Some some pe- people have backgrounds where they were very disadvantaged, and some people have normal backgrounds. Yeah, and yeah. it's very sometimes it, sometimes it's difficult to put your finger on these things, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I was no, I was very fortunate. You know, like I said, mum and dad uh, supported me tremendously and took me to all all the games and training. Yeah. And so to I think to come and then have that void within you, but this is where then I speak to people a lot about our egos, right? Right. That I think it's this. Yeah. And I think this is the driver in a lot of the mental health challenges that many of us are facing today i think we've all got this ego that we're always going to have but we kind of don't understand how it operates in the background uh which then has us feeling like we're less therefore we go seeking more to feel better right Right. the thing with the ego is that it'll never be satisfied no so no matter what we get how much money we've got all the things we can we totally. always need more so that's where the emptiness comes the from. more you have the more you want yeah so this and then obviously society is built around consumerism and telling us that we're not enough if we don't have all these things so comparisons as well comparison yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what was this condemnation comparison there was another <laughs> one i was talking about the other day but all these things drive us towards this need to be mm. more but we do it in external ways mm. because we don't understand about the traumas that we might have suffered and, and traumas don't have to be big things even no, people no. think that no absolutely trauma, absolutely thing, no they? it can be it's it can be your mum saying no to you on a you know, for, on a bag of sweets or something stupid like yeah, that that can trigger a, things i think it? it's an incident where you're you're alone mm. you feel powerless like mm. and, and that can happen to all of us at, at any time yeah how do we recover um, yeah from them so i think that this ego thing is a massive part of the problem for us as, as human beings to try to, to combat because we do it in relationships don't we? we we look for salvation or happiness in everything outside of us we look for another person to make yeah it. think about that even how we're taught about love yeah movies it's always yes. romantic kind of yes. you know like we and so we yeah it, we're never taught as younger people, kids, that you're enough yourself. No. You always need someone to be... When to when you right? get this house, this car, yeah. when you get this relationship, you will, I will, you know... I will be happy when. What, what about now? <laughs> yeah, you know. So we, again, so yeah. we, we're, not, we're not taught these things. No. And I think that's why we've got the yeah. struggles that we've got now for but, us as adults. Uh, right? Also to a degree, now this is going to sound quite paradoxical. Yeah. I can only relate this to my own experience. You know, I'm a entrepreneur and I built a 30 million pound business and I got to 10 million 15 million every time I got up to the, yeah. the next milestone it it was like all oh, right okay there was no real satisfaction and like things like doing this podcast has given me an enormous amount of satisfaction so what I'm trying to say is that even when you win the trophy and you're chasing the Premier League title whatever it is you're trying to do I think you need to be careful about chasing that destination so much that you don't actually enjoy the day-to-day yeah when I turned pro <coughs> for a contract wasn't how I thought it was going to be that 10 year journey yeah of course yeah yeah and I was like I I lost a little bit of enjoyment I think in that moment of signing because then it became something very different yeah because before it's a this thing that you love doing and you you get to be free to do but along the way you can kind of be stifled as well other people want to fit into their way of being you don't necessarily get to express yourself so all the time the world's kind of if you let it 
yeah. stopping us from being who, who we this are. This is so right? interesting because, I mean, this is the purpose-led music podcast. Mm. As a footballer, or you personally, what was your purpose when you were playing for these clubs? Did you have a destination or a goal on, on, on what's your purpose now? Well, when I, when I say to people as well, when I do the talks and things, is I had that 10-year goal to become a pro footballer. One of the biggest mistakes or learnings I've had since is that I didn't set that next goal immediately, maybe a little bit of a shorter term one to say, right, I'm going to get 20 games in the first team. Yeah. And then I'm going to do do this. It was kind of, you know, I've achieved that thing. It's like when people like mm. run a marathon, don't they? Yeah. They train and then they feel flat afterwards. Exactly. So it's kind of that yeah. setting these little goals to keep you motivated. But like you said, not being so attached to the goal that it then uh, your happiness is dependent on it. Like you said, because you yeah. on the process yeah right? that all the things you're going to do to get there so when we talk about goals a lot in today's society everybody bangs on about goals and yeah this and that but yeah often people's uh are so attached to the goal that yeah that then if they don't achieve it they feel yes good and even and when they do it's, it's an anti-climax anti-climax mm. because you didn't take you was all i'm just looking there but you was missing all mm. the steps so that comes yeah, back to then being present, which you mentioned before. This yeah, yeah, yeah. Understanding of time is we only have now. So yeah. can we learn to focus on now? Because actually, the only problems you have psychologically, and for me anyway, have always been past and future related. Mm. Never now. So I always mm. think when I do have any troubles or issues, it's because my mind's gone off to different places. And, yeah. and often I say well, we're only unhappy because life's not the way we think it should be. But then most people, yeah. I don't think if you asked them, they wouldn't know how they want life to be. Anyway. No, right. it's this sort of mis, mis, yeah. misguided expectation of yeah. things, isn't it? Yeah. It's interesting. Which we're taught, right? But yeah. again, if you think we're brought up in a punishment and reward system mm. from the time we go to school. Yes. It's all about roots. So we, we act in a way to get rewarded and to uh, not be not be punished. So, I mean, that could be something that we might yeah. want to be looking at with the kids now coming through. You know, does everyone have to get an award? Yeah. For sports day. Or yeah. Yeah. Do, You're right. Do you, do you? Because then, what? Where does the internal satisfaction, knowing that you've done a good job, come from? Then, if mm. you're always waiting for someone else to tell you that yeah. you've done well. Same right. Way, someone, I think. I see. Yes. Like, it's like getting a kindness award, right? Like a participation award or whatever. Yeah. yeah kindness yeah. award. Yeah. You, that's right. dependent on whether that teacher or that school has, de been kind. has determined whether you're kind or not. But you yeah. might have done something that they might deem not to be kind, but you know yeah. that you've done the right thing for yeah. losing. So it's a really difficult when we. That's why I always think about what are we teaching people now mm. for how are things going to be in the future? Because I think if we carry on the way we are, yes, the way things are now will be nothing compared to. It no, I, I agree. It's a bit like um, what is success, and um, in my sort of world, it was it, it was kind of it was the size of your business, the car you drove, the house. But for me, I'm quite reasonably happy that th things like compassion, empathy, legacy, and you know, uh, personal development and you're leaving your mark on others is is becoming the new currency. What do you think? Or am I, am I being too deluded? <laughs> But how does that feel for you? That's why it feels, it why. feels fantastic for me. How did you feel when you did I feel much, stuff? I feel about 50, is it night and day? I feel so much better. Do you know? And, yeah. and I think this is the thing for people to all these things that we're we all think we're chasing for this thing that's like you said, I'll be happy when mm. we're never gonna 
we're never going to reach it. It's only when you realise, and so I think with your experiences you've had, I always think with the mental health stuff, for me, my experience was to wake me up. Of course. Like, so when yes. I see people now who are struggling, I'm in my, in my mind, I'm like, if you just pay attention to what this is trying to tell you. Yeah, now, lean into it. You, you Yeah, de- like, yeah. I ran for ages and it's not great if you can lean That's into it. That's the issue, isn't it? Because yeah. we're, we're taught to kind of man up, you know, yeah. or, or, you know, uh, and but that's completely the wrong no. approach. I believe so. Yeah, I think that, I always think life's teaching us lessons and it's just our job is to pay attention. I, yeah. For my six years of my kind of decline with my mental health, I was getting a warning all the time. Yeah. Just p- didn't pay attention. And it starts like a little tap, doesn't it? Like a little kid saying, yeah. you know, it, it never goes away. <laughs> no. keep, and then it gets yeah. harder. Yeah. And then eventually life comes and hits you over the head with a mm. shovel and says, right, now I've got your attention. But it's what we do once we've been yeah. hit over the head. How, yeah. Are we going to change? Yeah. Or are we going to stay doing the same things? Mm. And, and in my mind, it's really simple. If you can look at what you've been doing, how you perpetually think, how you speak, how you treat people, right. just everything... See yeah. where you're at. If you want the opposite result, then simply in my mind, I was like, I've just got to do the opposite of what I've been doing. Mm. That's not easy, no, because it's simple. But people confuse simple and easy as well. When when you say to people, right. it's a really simple way to do this, they immediately go, Yeah, but that's it's not easy though, is it? No, I never said it was easy. No, but no, no. it is simple. That if you can turn how you are, what you think address things differently for long enough mm. it's like I put on that post this morning about laying the path on the, the grass yeah yeah it's, yeah these things that are simple but I think we we overcomplicate and we're looking for answers in the wrong places I think I think it's, a, it's the ability to kind of sit with yourself be silent listen to your thoughts I think I think I, I speak to a lot of people they say oh, I'm really busy you know I have to be occupied I have to be with people and I think well that, that, that rings alarm bells for me because the power of actually sitting in it with yourself. Yeah. You learn a lot. I, I say to people now, go and sit on your own, like you just said, silently, without a device, yeah. without anything to distract you. Mm. I said, do it for five minutes, and yeah. with the most uncomfortable you've probably been for a long, long time. Yes. <laughs> your mind will be trying to think about this, and yeah. it'll take you. But if you can try and just sit in that position yeah, yeah. five minutes, yeah. you'll see how uncomfortable you are on your own. Yeah. If, like you said, if you can learn to be okay on your own, there's no growth without discomfort. You're all right then. Yeah, yeah. It's like in relationships as well. For me, this is what I've yeah. learned moving through all the, my learnings in in relationships. Is mm. I can't put my happiness on that other person. No, it's not fair because they're gonna. If I have got these expectations of them to keep me happy, which is what most of us do. Yeah, of course. I was gonna disappoint you. Yeah, yeah. They, they, those are my expectations. So yeah, I've got a. They are who they are. But on the same token, I can't be that for someone else because that's yeah. a lot of pressure. You know? So I want to talk to you about kind of coming to the end of your career when you've yeah. transitioned out of football into what you're doing now. Yeah. Um, before I do that, was there a moment where you, where you just thought, actually, I can utilise my mental health experiences to help others? As it transpired like I said the, the six-year process from retiring yeah. <coughs> to then having that experience coming through it discovering the one to eleven understanding that I've always wanted to help people that's been I think part of my uh, who, who I am I think yeah. I, I, I like to <coughs> to do that 
and it, the way it kind of came about in terms of the speaking was very uh, organically uh, I think there was someone was doing an event for mental health mm-hmm. uh, the, someone they said do we know anyone who would come and share their story uh, a lady who used to come because she used to run a fitness uh, group as well as a PT as well she said oh, I know someone and so I came along and, yeah. and I and I stood there and I told my my story and and, and explained right. it but the brilliant thing and the most amazing thing for me was I found that in that moment of standing there on stage <clears throat> I discovered that thing again that I loved so the comparisons between being stood in the tunnel waiting to go out to perform oh wow okay I've now got that got you go speak on a that stage. same anticipation that buzz that and when I go right. out on stage I've, okay. got to, I've got to perform because people have come to listen to you people have come to watch you play football so that's interesting one in the same so for mm. me that's been such a, a, a brilliant kind of discovery. So that was per- all, you, yeah. can't, you kind of found your, your, your mojo, your purpose, your reason, yeah. And just the sharing of information mm. to help people. If you, you know, it, like we said, if we can have an impact on people, if you, if so, mm. for me, if, if someone comes to me and said, do you know what, you, you said that, I heard you speak at that thing, or you said this thing, or I read your post, right. it got me thinking, and then I went away and I changed a couple of things. Yeah. That's for me is what I think when we talk about purpose yeah. is, yeah. is that purpose is to have that impact, but not for it. To, it's not about me. No, because my belief is everybody can change their own circumstances. Yeah, and I never change anyone's circumstances. They do it. What's What's your thoughts on when people say the mental health card is played a little bit or a lot yeah. too easily with people? Uh, I think in society now. Again, these are just my opinions, they're not facts, and I always say people feel free to disagree with me. Mm-hmm. I think the way we've, with most things, we, we're at one extreme of a pendulum. So back in the day, you know, at school, kids got, you know, we got caned, and, and, and yeah. football, the treatment was rough. What we do, and we go, this is not right, we need to address this. But we kind of slingshot past the middle ground, and we go to the other end of the pendulum, yeah. where now it becomes where... We're not asking people to <coughs> take responsibility for anything that they do in some respects. Yeah. And that everyone else is it's their kind of it's other people's fault. Mm. So we, we we've we've gone from this end where it was never spoke about to a degree to yeah. where now we're just trying to find that yeah. ground of yeah, it's yeah. all right to be have mental health uh, yeah. injuries, illnesses, issues, one hundred percent. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's great to have support and be supportive for people. But at some point, you know and I know, you individually have to be the person yes, that of course. takes the actions of course. to change your, your state of your health, your mental health, your physical health. Mm. You're the only one that can do it. So that's why when I, with this one to 11, and that's why I discovered that acceptance and responsibility were always the first part of call. Okay. One, you've got to accept where you're at. Yeah. You've got to accept yes. that you're struggling, that yes. you maybe want to take your own life, that you don't feel great every day, that your life's not where you want it to be, right? That, like, until, and if you think of everybody who Absolutely. has an issue in life, every issue you've ever had, every issue yeah. I've ever had, yeah. it's a lack of acceptance that's yeah. ever stopped me moving forward. 100%, right? that's the first so step. That's why I say to people, that, but I always say as well, acceptance is not resignation. People mm. think it's resignation. Resignation is when you cannot do anything about it. Acceptance is a step forward, isn't it? 100%. Yeah, but yeah. if you put it with responsibility, it becomes empowering. So I see a lot of people disempowered in the mental health space. What do you mean? They're, they are being told that they're 
are like this or they have this thing and they will they won't get better got you right and I, that we're disempowering them so you'll see it on forums sometimes someone yes. will come on and make a comment yeah. and someone will go oh now you're feeling I've done that as well and I've had this and I've had it for 20 years I think that's this. a huge point around I think the fear of people admitting they've got mental health that they feel like they're going to be judged and it's something they're going to have been judged by for the rest of their lives and it's just not like that is it no. but if you don't judge yourself no one else can judge you. So that's where their self-acceptance comes in of, this is where I am right now. This yeah. is why I can talk about this openly because yeah. I fully accepted at one well, time in my there. life, yeah. I didn't want to be here. <clears throat> and yeah. I can say it to people and I didn't think very much about myself. But I also understood that I'd played a massive part in getting to that point. Mm. Was, was there a moment when you just accepted it? Or was it, did you hit a rock bottom? I mean, uh, I was, uh, it was actually, I was training, it was on my NLP practitioner's course. Uh, right. Lady on the, the course, the instructor, we were having a conversation and I was talking about just, just myself and, and she said to me, she said, Martin, I'm confused. Do you pay your friends and family? And I was like, well, what do you mean to pay? <laughs> she went, well, by the way you speak about yourself, you'd have to pay them to want to be around you, right? And that's wow. what, that, that, like that, yeah, that yeah. hit me like a ton of, br and I knew what she meant and that yeah. was the moment that wow. my life changed because... I thought the door was over there, and I thought I'm going to cry. And, and you know, somebody's got yeah. I thought mm. she's got me. Thought you'd been found she, out. <laughs> she's, got, she's got me. And I thought yeah. I can either run, or I can stay and face this. And I thought, you know what? You've 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 been running for too long. So I stayed and I faced that. And that was the and this is why I say again, the bitterest mm. pill I ever had to swallow was mm. that I didn't actually care about me. Yeah. At all anymore. Yeah, yeah. In fact, to the point where if if I did go missing for a while, or people had called to see mm. how I was. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I'm okay, and then get off the phone. I'd end up crying then yeah. because I realised that those people cared about me more than I did myself. See, that's the thing with, with severe mental health or any form of mental health and also people who have suicidal ideation, yeah. they honestly feel that, and I felt like this before, not now, but in the past, yeah. that the world would be a better place without me. And I have a huge issue with anyone who says suicide is selfish. What's your view on that? No. I don't believe that. I don't think it's selfish. I think that to, I suppose that depends if you've ever been in that place, right? To mm. maybe particular people who say that have never experienced it, so they're coming from a place of of judgment. Mm. What I would say is, well, again, I always speak from my perspective. Is yeah. <clears throat> my thoughts were that that I had two young daughters then. That was not enough to make me think any differently. Yeah, because I just thought that you know. Mm -hmm. There's no point. Yeah, I've got nothing to offer anyone. Like, uh, yeah, and, and also the pain was too great at that yeah. moment. So, yeah. people who decide, I believe, to end the life, mm. the pain is that great. Mm -hmm. They don't know what else to do. Mm -hmm. So you just want to make it stop. So yeah. if people who've not been in that position understood it from that perspective, yeah, it might change the yes, of way course. of thinking. You know, if they had a, a physical injury that was that painful, yeah that it was there every day, all day, how would, you know, it, so it's just kind of, so mm. I, I don't, I don't think it's selfish. I think we just reach a point where, and in my mind, how I sometimes, I suppose, rationalized it is you, if you were in that much pain, you, what, what are you, what are you going to do? Like you would think that that was mm. because you don't know what's on the potential on the, the, the other side so yeah I think for people yeah. to say that's naive I'll say it's always say it like yeah. that <laughs> people say it. you, it's, say how it's you naive want. at best to, to say that people are being selfish I think it's one of those for help, right, until well. you've been there I don't, I don't think you can actually 
say? No, I, I think, <laughs> I, and that's why I always try to speak on things that I've experienced myself. So even in those moments now, and, and my <coughs> my wife, who I'm no longer with, had said to me that I'd at one time said to her, "Oh, I know I would do it, mm. but don't worry because I'm not going to do it." Mm. And I'm like, I don't even remember saying that now. But then right. I'd go out. Yeah, yeah. And she'd be worrying then whether to. She didn't want to call me too early because she didn't want to hassle me. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, she's hassling me. She's doing my head in. But she didn't want to call me too late. Yeah. So then you think. It's difficult for the partners. Yeah. You know, that, that's one element that we need to consider around, yeah. you know, the partner suffers just as much in, then, in a way. And then the guilt follows, right? Yeah. Because when I yeah. discovered that, mm. then I felt horrendous that mm. I'd put someone in that. Mm. position but again then you have to accept and go hang on though I wasn't yeah. in that right frame of mind to become yeah. thinking I wouldn't have of course um, so that's where the acceptance comes in again to forgive yourself that is the acceptance and that's where without that you can't move forward and I think lots of yeah. people are struggling with acceptance they're beating themselves up even more so then yeah. you know, we, we carry on down that line and mm. so it's a, it is self acceptance I think and that's one of the toughest Things, but then it comes back to what you said about where that hole that you've got yeah. to avoid. Absolutely. So what's what's what, one to eleven? Yeah. Talk us through the rest of that process. Yeah. So uh, if you can imagine a team sheet, they've got the goalkeepers, acceptance and responsibility. And I always say to people, yeah. that's the point. The, that's the position that can't change. Yeah. All the others you can put them where you want, but the acceptance and responsibility is your keeper because if you haven't got a very good keeper in a football match you're going to concede a lot of goals. You're not going to win a lot, a lot of yeah. games, right? So that's a really important position. Mm. Communication was next, and a communication with the support. Mm. Because if, as we said, if you don't communicate effectively, you can't get the right kind of support. Yeah. When we talk communication also, what what's the communication going on inside your own head? Are you aware of that? What's your first thought when you get up in the morning? What are you continually saying inside your head? And so what are you saying out loud as well? Because again, yeah. when we talk disempowering language, we, you see it all over social media. People mm. disempower themselves with the with the, word, with yeah. the power of the words against themselves. Of course. Like, so I, I I equate it like this: that we have this power, we've all got it. Yeah. But we're unknowingly using it against ourselves. Someone comes along then and says, "You can choose this power to help yourself." Yeah. You know? And they go, "Oh no, I can't because I've got this." Or I'm. That's this. a very good point. I think on on that point to interrupt you slightly. Yeah. 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 Um, I think you mentioned it before. So all this adversity, mental health, mm. I feel sometimes we go through it for a reason, like you're doing and have done, so you can then teach and educate other sure. people. And you can only do what you're doing because of what's happened to you, right? Yeah. So in a way, sometimes um, these these adversities can be the best thing that happened to us, even though at the time it feels like the worst. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. well, that's, again, <coughs> how many times do you hear that as well? I can't mm. believe that's happened. Yeah. But then how many times in our lives have something better come along or, or what have we learned because I, I, I said to I was thinking about I mean I, I don't know about you I do spend a lot, a lot of time <clears throat> in my own head thinking uh, which is not always great but mm -hmm. I thought to myself have I ever made any mistakes in my life and then I thought I don't think I have and I don't mean that, that I'm perfect in terms of <laughs> I don't make mistakes yeah I've had a lot of learnings mm -hmm. so I think yes mistakes would imply that that's something that's a negative for me but actually what did I learn from Everything that's ever yeah. gone that way in my life has actually taught me a, a massive... What has been your biggest fuck-up, then, would you say? Biggest fuck-up? Probably... 
signing for Doncaster on a full-term contract <laughs> instead of month to month. That was one. <laughs> but actually believing in someone personally yeah. who I thought felt a certain way about me. Um, but then when it transpired, because uh, of the colour of my skin, mm. they didn't want to take me home. Therefore, I wasn't going to be able to continue seeing them. So there was a misjudgment of character. Ah, okay. right? So because of the colour of my skin... I could see someone out, rela- away from a relationship. relationship yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But then when it came yeah. to meeting the parents and that, oh, okay. then the barrier came. I see. And then you find out. So, and, and that was in that 98, 99 period. And that hit me very hard because when you care about someone a lot. Yeah. And then. How long was you going out with her for? It probably long, long enough. <laughs> yeah, but it probably wasn't even that. It was a few months, but you know, you yeah, know, yeah. that process, you go out, don't you? You're seeing each other, and then you start yeah. to get a bit further down the line where you might meet right. people, but there was always a block on that. Okay. And then I discover when it comes out that it was because of the colour really? of my skin. Wow. Well, that, was a, that was a dagger <laughs> to, the, well, to the heart, right? Well, because she actually said that, or the family said that, or something. Yeah, really? like straight wow. up. Yeah, okay. that, that, that hurt. Sure, well, she wasn't right for you anyway, but it sounds So that's what I mean. So as it weren't a, a yeah. fuck up, it no, actually no. taught me, but that was from my misjudgment of character. Right? On, on the relationships point, yeah. I think I think you touched on it before, and I've I'm business-wise, I've done very well relationships up until recently. Yeah. Not so well, let's yeah. just put it that way. Yeah. And I think there's mitigating circumstances <laughs> for that um, but happily that happily I can say that that's that's uh, so much better now but with yourself and most people who have mental health problems or yeah. challenges um, we tend to attract the wrong type of people just talk to me yeah. a bit more about that so I suppose again coming down to how you feel right I uh, this is my understanding of it now whatever however I feel about me I will attract or I will find in sure. a person yes. so if I'm lacking something I'll probably find, and, and when I think of those periods in 98, 99, I was lacking because of the professional side of my life. Yeah. Then I was very vulnerable and maybe not thinking correctly, which led me to other people who were maybe vulnerable and not mm. for me either. Mm. So what I try to think of now, but going away and doing the work on yourself, Yeah, yeah. to get yourself to a place where the relationship with yourself is great, means that yeah. you're then going to, I think you will attract someone, hopefully, who's yeah. done the, the same, because... Again, I want to be so. I want someone to come into my life who I've got now who enhances my life. Yes, but I'm not dependent on them for my complete yeah. happiness. Because when you talk about acceptance, I mm. think being in a bad relationship more often than not, there's got to be accountability as well. Yes, we can point fingers at the other person, and more often than not, that might be right. But there's also an element of accountability that we we chose to be in that relationship. We we did X, Y, and Z as well. And I think until you get to that point, you're not going to get anywhere either. I, I wrote a poem called "Who You Mad At? Who You Really Mad At?" Right. I always ask people that question: "Who are you really mad at?" When they're talking about exes yeah. or whoever, yeah, because you picked them. <laughs> I every I can't be mad at any of my no. exes because I picked them all. <laughs> what you? So, in that, so then I go right. There's the learning then because yeah. I chose. So hopefully they were. Yeah. Did they serve a purpose for me to learn either what I exactly. didn't want to actually then led me to where I'm at. Mm. I'm at now, but we're always we're always angry with other people or things. But ultimately, I think it, it's ourselves that look are, inward. That's a powerful thing, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, always. So we're kind of coming towards the end. I mean, I'm looking at your profile. You're a public speaker. Am I right in saying you're NLP qualified, CBT and EFT? And pra- talk to us about kind of that process of learning and uh, and how you've applied it. Well, well, once again, once the discovery of the one to eleven came about, then it's just been a process for the last eight nine years of just this personal development, learning, 
Yeah. Spirituality is massive in that for me. Like, yeah. It's something that's really come into my life through that experience mm. of, of hitting rock bottom, that mm. kind of spiritual side, which again, I, I, I kind of like to look into. So, yeah, then the, <clears throat> the NLP came about as part of my recovery process where I had my breakthrough. So, again, that, that was something I'd not been aware of. Then the EFT, the tapping. When you, say, you say breakthrough, what do you mean? So that that conversation, right, with the lady, right, it, it sure. hit home. Yes, that was the breakdown, but that was the breakthrough. Got you. And, and I think what we said as well, people are scared to break down because they think that that could could be it. When actually, oh. my experience of it was the it was the breakthrough. breakthrough. That's, and then, that's and then, powerful. And then that was the thing. So then, so then, language is so powerful. So NLP, uh, I, mm. I love that. The EFT, the tapping, it's like acupressure have you been have you ever done it i've done it I've, yeah, i'm not yeah. a fan of acupressure but the, yeah. the, the tapping stuff i've done and i i, 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 I rate that actually it's, yeah. it's the yeah. it's the weirdest yeah most magical yeah it, it, when you do it at first you think it gets you out of what? your head doesn't it yeah, basically <laughs> i was tapping on my face and yeah saying these words gonna help me but it absolutely yeah, yeah. absolutely works and then again the cbt it's a little bit more practical isn't it in terms mm. of rearranging being more pragmatic about your your thoughts so just adding those strings to your to your bow just again from this the the journey of development is never over right and that's yeah. something i've decided now with this process it's like the the journey to recovery is never over because i made that mistake on quite yeah. a few occasions where i thought i was okay yeah only to fall back what i understand now is i can go back to that way of thinking mm -hmm. and being in that position at any time if I of allow course. myself to, that's the one thing. And so, if people talk about fear that drives you or things that it's that, I, I yeah, I'm yeah, got not you. going there again ever. I'm, I'm going that way. And so, mm. that's the driver for me also. Is, but the understanding is if I don't keep doing what I'm doing, then yeah. I will go there. So, that's what drives me on. And that's how I know that people, if they change the direction of the thoughts and mm. they do, and they do it for long enough, just you can totally change. It's like a muscle, isn't it? You have to yeah. keep working. So it, it's this thing about empowering people. Mm. If I can do it, you've done it. Mm. Then I, if it's possible for us, then it's possible for for anyone, right? That's just my optimistic state of well, mind. How I see it's, it. It's like it's you know, your your living example that that can happen. It, it can happen, but it's just yeah. And so in the one to eleven, you've got support. Your values and beliefs are in there. Beliefs are so important, right? Yeah. Your values. One thing I would say about values as well is, once you get clear on your values. Just be careful because that's when you start judging everyone by. Oh, I, I love. I've got. I've got a whiteboard in my bedroom with my values on it, and so I, I have to look at them every day, and it's, yeah. it's important. But once you know what your core values are, you can live to them, and then that's when you can stand in strength. Because this is interesting when you yeah. mentioned the, the judging point as well. Elaborate on that a little bit. So, I, so that's the conversation. I mean, we all do it, don't we? We judge everybody from what they're wearing to what they do, yes. what they say. Yes, it's catching yourself saying it. Yeah, and as soon as you hear yourself having a commentary on someone else, just stop. Just stop because you've now stepped into judgment. That's an ego. Yeah. You're now, if you're saying someone's annoying me, stop. Yeah. It's a, bit, it's, a, it's a bit like, is it is it really true? Have I ever done that myself? Yeah. Actually, yeah. I've, I do it all the time. So who am I to? Exactly. Well, well, for instance, somebody who maybe steals something, we might that might not be in our values, but we don't know what their situation is. No. We don't know if that's a necessity for them. That's within their well, value yeah. system. So it, get clear on your own values, but. They're your values, not everyone else's. And make your choices align to your values, right? Absolutely. 
and that's the same like within companies as well you can have company values but if you've mm. got 100 200 individuals mm. they might not be aligned with your values so mm. maybe try to get a consensus of what absolutely the majority of people's yeah. values are yeah right? that would help you've got people in your company <laughs> who and yeah. rolling in with your values, you yeah. can have a lot of conflict. Beliefs, like you said, from the beginning of our lives, yeah. all these ideas we pick up and things we're taught that we take on as true, and they run our lives in the background. So I mm. said, go and look at your beliefs. Like, yeah, what? So, yeah. for example, uh, what is it to be a man? Right. And then, in my mind, that's what stops men from talking as well. Yes. Because you're not going to go against your hardwired belief that no. to admit that is a weakness, therefore you're not a man. So you kind of... Yeah, you yeah, know, you, absolutely. That's why I, so I say to people as well, because you hear people say, oh, if they just, you know, come and speak to me, you know, my door's always open. But understand, mm. from a man's perspective, potentially... If that's the program running in the background, that that'd be weak. That will go against the very nature of being a man. Are they mm. likely to come and speak? And I go, no, no, they're not. So you've got to create an environment. Right? Yeah, this one-dimensional um, avatar of what a man should be yeah. like. When when you actually live that, yeah. and you and you realise that there's no fulfilment and joy in that avatar, then you you become very disillusioned with life, don't you? And you yeah. find out the hard way. But then you've got to try and conform, and, it's, and you just feel trapped in your own body, don't you? Yeah. Trapped in society, mm. how you're expected to, yeah, to be. So, you, so really looking at your beliefs, which takes a long, yeah. long time to do. Goals, which we mentioned, but I say more about intention rather than goals. Okay. What's your intention? Yeah. But with your goals, you're going to need a plan. You need because we've all got a so we've got strategies. You have to have a vision of where you're going. You know, yeah. we've all we've got strategies for making a cup of tea, making whatever, making the bed. <laughs> we've all got strategies for yeah. everything we do, which are habits, right? Yeah. Then your consistency, your discipline. And your commitment, those are our habits, essentially. Sounds, sounds incredible. you can't be disciplined without being consistent, but we're all disciplined and consistent already yeah. in what we do. And we're, already, and we're already committed to what we're doing yeah. because if we weren't, we wouldn't do it. That's different to motivation as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then time's one of the elements. Yeah. Again, how we use it. Do we waste it, invest it, spend it? A lot of us waste a lot. That's what bothers us. We know that our time's finite, but yet we don't yeah. want to admit that, so we don't get busy li living. It says it in Shawshank, doesn't it? Get busy living, get busy dying. Uh, but also the time traveling aspect mm -hmm. that then leads you in your mind depression and other things, regrets from the past, yeah. anxieties and other things, future based art that's trying to ground yourself always to get the, the best out of the, mm. the moment. And then the final thing, the, the 11th thing, was gratitude. In terms of how physiologically it can change the way you feel about any situation, mm. but it's not our natural state. Mm. Because even if you're grateful for one thing one day, <coughs> just for being alive, for example, mm -hmm. we'll go to bed tonight and we'll just for think we're going to wake up tomorrow. Yeah. It's, a, it's a kind of like our default setting. So gratitude is it's there huge. to be learned. But again, like anything, everything we practice, we get really good at. And so I say to people, if you've practiced thinking a certain way for long enough, you're world class at that way of thinking. If you can do the opposite for long enough, you'll change, and then you learn new habits, and then your life takes on a different meaning. And sure, you're gonna have challenges. It's not about never having challenges or mm. things that come into mm. kind of <clears throat> in your in your life. Yeah, you'll look at them differently. Therefore, you'll deal with them differently. Therefore, you won't feel as as bad potential as you as you do. You know, beautifully said. And kind of the last one or two questions, yeah. um, the future, yeah. if you were to wrap it up in a minute or two, what, what, what do you want to achieve? What's your purpose moving forward? 
I want to just speak to as many people as possible and take this 1 to 11 concept uh, into businesses. I want to take it to schools. I want to be stood on stages having that kind of relationship with people, you mm. know, that mm. kind of interaction. That's what, that's what I love. To give people the choice to then at least make some changes. What I talk about, yeah, it worked for me. I believe these are universal principles. Sure. But what I want is to give people the, at least the choice to change. Mm. And right now, I think there's a lot of people who don't think they have a choice. Yeah. And so that's where we create that that empowerment. So that's that's what I, I want to do. If that's going to be my thing, that uh, <laughs> you know, before I leave this place, Fantastic. can I help people to empower themselves? Two more questions. If you could turn the, the clock back to 18, yeah. what would you tell yourself? What would you do differently? And also, if there's one thing that the audience can take away from this yeah. podcast, what would it be? So if I can go back to 18, what would I say to myself? Uh, have more courage. Yeah. Courage is the fastest way to change anything. Mm. Courage to speak up. Mm. Courage to take risks. Mm. Courage to put boundaries in place. Yeah. Courage to be yourself. Like it, it, it literally is the fastest way to change anything in your situation. Yeah. If you can be courageous and muster it, which we've all got, everyone's got courage inside yes. them. Like we, we, every single person, sure. sometimes we, we refrain from it. But mm. if you can, the thing that probably scares you the most, and often it is that admittance about yourself. Like yeah. That's the scary yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, of course. If you can do that, courage will change your whole world. You know, asking for help takes courage. It does. It'll change your life. I, pref so. I prefer to regret something I've done than something I haven't done. Yeah, definitely. And that's a powerful um, what courage. What was the last bit, did you um, say? One thing that we can take away from this podcast. this podcast. Did I just say it with the courage thing? I mean, that was, that was, a, very good, that was a very, very good thing. Um, yeah, again, be, be, be spontaneous in life. Mm, live your life. Yeah, spontaneity. Yeah. It's, that's, the, that's the essence of life, isn't it? You know? can't always be planned and how often does it work out the way you planned anyway <clears throat> i always go back to nights out like how <laughs> the best nights of your life have been yes the local totally boozer, totally and you ended out in town and you saw loads of people that you're not seen for years the music was banging yeah you didn't get in till whatever time you had yeah. the best night ever the night yeah. where it was all planned i.e new year's eve often was yeah massive letdown everything you plan you put an expectation in place mm -hmm. and then it never lives up so I try to say, like, to be in that moment. Yeah. Just be spontaneous. You know, if it's gonna go again, it might, you might see that person across the bar, right? Just think, go ask them who they are. <laughs> Definitely. Like, just spontane spontaneity, encourage, because it could just change your life. You know. Martin, it's been an absolutely phenomenally powerful and impactful episode. Thank you so much for being so open and so yeah, vulnerable. It's been brilliant. Where can where can the audience find you? Uh, I'm, well, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, yeah, Instagram. I'm on there. Uh, where else am I? Uh, Facebook, yeah, I'm on there. <coughs> um, yeah. There's the usual social media channels. Yeah, I've got a link tree link that I, I put everywhere. There's a few little bits, ebooks, and a few different bits. And yeah, people, yeah, get in touch. You call me, have a chat. Brilliant, See absolute pleasure. Thanks so much. Cheers. The Purpose-Led Leadership Podcast is sponsored by Vincherry, the recruitment operating system used by over 20,000 recruiters worldwide. I chose to partner with Vincherry because I'm a customer and I love their modern rec operating system, a single tech platform to streamline the front, middle and back office operations of executive search, perm, contract and temp businesses. If you're looking for a breed of new tech partner, talk to Vincherry. 
They have followed us on support with seven offices around the world. Check them out at bincherry.io forward slash Chris O'Connell for an exclusive offer for all listeners.